0: Hi, everyone. My name is Sahandam Magani. I'm the founder and CEO of Terra Cafe, and I beat the often path by opening myself up to as many experiences and possibilities as, as possible, and ranging from, you know, living in China, trying to start a wind farm company, being the even the son of two architects, playing a role in letting my curiosity fly and chasing my passions. So excited to be here and, and uh, share that story with you all.
1: Welcome back to the Beat the Often Path podcast. I'm your host, Ross Palmer. On this show, we celebrate unique and inspiring success stories that help us think outside the box in our lives and careers. Joining me today is Sahand Dilmaghani, the founder and CEO of Terra Cafe, a coffee tech company that's raised over $14 million in funding so far. Sahand has a remarkable story that led him down the path of entrepreneurship, and his company is making more eco friendly coffee and espresso machines that look and taste incredible. Now Sahand made Forbes next 1000 in the consumer tech category, which is good for him, but bad for me, as I had to settle for 1000 in first place, failing to make the cut yet again. Come on, Forbes! In seriousness, though, Terra Cafe estimate that they've prevented over a million coffee pods from becoming garbage, and in the words of the immortal Martha Stewart, that's a good thing. So here's Sahand Dilmaghani of Terra Cafe. So why on earth coffee?
0: Yeah, I think that um, you know, it was it was one of those things where I I think that you, you always before you start anything, you should really kind of like look at that trifecta of like um passion, competency and opportunity before you really kick things off officially. And I would say on the passion side, I was definitely one of those outlier families. Like we had every coffee gadget under the sun to, you know, my mom was kicking back a Turkish espresso coffee before. I should, should actually uh, be careful there. That's a bit of a misnomer. But at least her Turkish coffee before going to sleep at night. And it was a big part of... I, I chalk it before up to that kind of like...
1: sleep? What's that? Before going to sleep?
0: Before going to sleep. It never made Not sense to me. It still doesn't decaf? make sense to me. But, Caffeinated. Uh, you know, I, I think it's honestly... It's like this kind of... Um, weird thing where it's like Persian culture just circles around hot drinks. It's like coffee and tea are like the nucleus of our social circles. And so like from childhood, you're usually drinking tea and then you get introduced to coffee and it's such a big part of our lives. And it's a really endearing thing because, you know, it's kind of a a way for like the family to come together and everyone in my family, we all had different drinks. So we, you know, for the longest time, the this photo of all these different coffee drinks in the background of my phone was actually each member of my family with a different drink that they would have as their go-to so it was a big part of my life yeah
1: that's awesome all right so you have a lot of travel under your belt what role did travel play in you coming up with this idea and your entrepreneurial spirits you mentioned that you did some pretty crazy stuff i did not know that you attempted to build a company in china so maybe we can talk about any of that
0: yeah, no, it was. Uh, it's it's it, it's definitely one of those things that I am forever grateful to my parents for. They really imparted the importance of having that global mindset early on. I mean, you know, there's definitely a little bit of that uh, kind of cliche global citizen language where it's like, you know, you just like to travel. But I think that one of the things I really appreciated was it was the travel with the intention of actually understanding the local culture, society, trying to really um, make that extra effort that was really critical in my personal development. I was traveling back and forth to China a lot, actually learning Chinese from a young age. So it was was one of those things where I was studying probably uh, I think four different languages at the same time as a kid. So um you can see I had to pause to remember the number there. So I had to make sure I'm getting that right. But yeah, that's um, my
1: problem. I just can't remember how many languages I know.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always yeah, struggle. Yeah, yeah. So, right?
1: Eight, fifteen? Yeah. Who knows? Who can even keep track anymore?
0: Um it was it it was I as you could probably guess at the time, not super welcomed. Um so it was one of those things that I think I didn't fully appreciate the value of it when I was doing it. So I actually God, I get a lot of um, kind of like, you know, parents that are, you know, just having a newborn that are like, yeah, so like, how did you like it? Did you hate it? And I was like, honestly, like, I didn't love it, but I really appreciate it now. But it definitely adds to a certain like lens or perspective into a society when you're going abroad, you're building relationships, it gives you a unique opportunity. And so when I was growing up, I mean, we were traveling around a lot, but you also just kind of like, I think more subconsciously. Uh, Act as a sponge without even realizing and you're just kind of getting hit with a lot of different ways of living and I think that that kind of Is your springboard into creativity and curiosity so it starts to kind of like plant the seeds that eventually blossom, right?
1: Yeah, I completely agree That's a philosophy that I personally have and I'm always interested in how people settle on the idea that they end up pursuing out of so many ideas in the world and again, it's it's always fascinating that people choose areas that you think you'd think everything has already been done. And you think between Starbucks and yeah. all of the various devices out there, you'd think, you'd say, OK, what is there left to do in coffee or technology? I mean, clearly you have managed <laughs> to do it. I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. But I was uh, doing some research a while back on unusual success stories. And I found a woman who's uh, coincidentally German. And that's why I wanted to ask about the Berlin thing, because her name was Melita Benz and she was in the first part of the 1900s. And her great invention was that she figured out that if you used a piece of paper under coffee grounds and poured the water over it, that that would filter the coffee. And that was essentially the genesis of drip coffee. And she made a fortune and uh, the Melita Benz brand is still in operation today. It's a conglomerate of coffee. And you think yeah. wow, that wouldn't, to me, qualify as an idea, especially not a groundbreaking idea or a billion dollar idea. It's just a piece of paper. And some. so I'm always struck by the simplicity of things. So. Knowing with this, you know, mishmash of influences and travel and all of that, how did you begin to think that you could maybe influence coffee, which is such a saturated genre in general?
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I think uh, it starts with a good dose of humility. <laughs> like, I think when you're getting started, like you could fast forward a century later, it's pretty much the same story in terms of the apprehension sure. and reticence that people have in terms of whether or not there's you know, an opportunity here or something that can really be built. And I I was originally, before starting Terra Cafe, I was originally working in electric vehicles in Germany. So that was, for that period of my life, um, living abroad in, in Berlin and was, I a lot of times honestly chalk it up to just the, the quality of the individuals I was surrounded by uh, in terms of just that beautiful balance of left brain and right brain. So there was just this, um, amazing network of creatives engineers designers and i think that that's something that i i definitely appreciated from a, uh, from uh, an opportunity of getting to work with them but i also again like kind of draw that through line back to my parents both being architects you know i wasn't allowed to basically walk into any new space or building without recognizing every little detail from you know the wood grain of the, the mm. um you know the floor to the baseboards to the sconces what have you like you needed to pay attention to everything and i'd be like mom can we just go into the lobby please and she's like no you got to stop you got to pay attention like you see it creates momentum and i'm like i i I always appreciated that attitude but i think that um as i got older got to berlin got surrounded by these people that had all almost it felt like everybody had that same level of attention to detail um that's where it kind of just went kind of went crazy because for me it was such an important formative moment in me building up the skill set that i would eventually need to start Terra cafe i think having a business background a background in, in operations familiar, familiarity with manufacturing with uh production supply chain as you can imagine that really pays dividends these days but that was a huge part of my kind of more formal background or academic background but bundling into all of that, the design sensibilities, philosophies, to, to care about it and understand what it does to people in terms of enhancing their day-to-day lives and experiences, that would be where I would say, you know, when you talk about, like, what does that travel do for you? What does that experience do for you? It's a story of people and the people you meet along the way. And you have to open yourself to those types of opportunities. You have to open yourself up to those kinds of experiences. And it's kind of intimidating. Like, I remember that flight when I left, you know, the U.S. to go live in Berlin, I remember the only time it really hit me that it was kind of weird was when I was like, "Oh, we're landing." You know, the you know, pilot starts telling you you're descending into the you know airport. I was like, "Oh, there's no return flight here. Like, I'm there's no ticket back. I'm, I'm this is this is the new home." And. I think that was the only moment that kind of caught me on my heels. But from then on, it was just like embracing all the experiences, learning from people. Frankly, again, like back to the humility note, like listening, learning from people that just have these incredible stories and skills and using that as my springboard into starting something new. And we really felt like at the time, me and my friends were like, we could kind of build almost anything. And I know it comes off bombastic. But we're like, we have we have the right kind of energy and you know, let's call it like quote unquote like portfolio of skills or resumes to to do it. And it was really just a matter of like, what are we passionate about? Where do we see an opportunity? Like, what do we want to jump into? And being okay with us giving us giving uh giving it our best shot, being okay with, you know, whatever the outcome is, like just accepting that. Uh, you know, you give something your best go and uh you'll see how it turns out. I think it was a big part of accepting the nerves and the jitters that come with starting something new. You're not going to have everything solved. You just have to have good people around you. It does take a village and um, you know, having fun. Honestly. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do, it down too.
1: Do you feel that you were always entrepreneurial? Were you the kid on the block selling lemonade when you were 5 years old or is that did you always know you wanted to build a business?
0: Yeah, I I, I will say that, like, the being put into Chinese classes was because as a child, I was, I would almost say, annoyingly entrepreneurial. Like, I was the one that was like, you know, the lemonade, lemonade stands, like, not good enough on this corner, it needs to be this way. You need to stage the, like, table this way. Like, it needs, to, I think that that to me was, I mean, more facetiously said, right? Because it, for me, it was, you know, something where I was just kind of playing around with the idea of doing something well. I think is more what it what it boiled down to. And um, even to a certain extent, being competitive, like really wanting to have the best version of something, to me was always more intriguing. I had never understood why you would do something and wanting to be like complacent or satisfactory level. Just like, yeah, okay, like it's passable. It's like, okay, but it's your story. It's your life. This is like, you know, like why would you not want that to clear the highest bar possible and just see what you're capable of? So I think it really ultimately connected with just wanting to to have the best possible version of something completed and then even like again like as silly as it might sound like the first company i incorporated was when i was 17 and i started an ultimate frisbee summer clinic in the northern virginia area and wanted to do trainings and do a big competition so we set up a formal company around that got local sponsors advertisers and um, that, was, yeah, that was the first formal corporation. And then from there on, you know, did a myriad of different things, like, for example, like trying to start a wind, wind farm in the Midwest, right, when Obama took office, and there were all these new subsidies coming into place. So I would say always had that knack. And I think when you start it, it's really hard to stop it. It doesn't matter at what age. It's just like when you start doing things, you realize how capable you are in Achieving things are, it's ultimately just like, you know, chipping away at it. I think it's really, really um, enticing, exciting, maybe even a little bit addictive, where you realize like everything is within reach, everything is within grasp. And I think that's what's really empowering. You're like, okay, like it's actually, once you break things down into their component parts, it's not that inundating. You can actually pretty much chip away at any idea and keep building it up. Um, That's what any individual does when they're just starting with an idea. So, Absolutely. You know, long story long, absolutely from childhood um, was doing entrepreneurial things. And I think, you know, once you catch that bug, you can't stop.
1: So you you mentioned wind farms and you mentioned EV, two kind of eco-friendly technologies. Would you say that your interest in those was more a matter of opportunity. Like you said, Obama was uh, president and these were just opportunities that you saw as an entrepreneur. Did you have a passion particularly for green tech or was it really just whatever, wherever the wind is blowing, I'm just gonna look for an opportunity and go with it.
0: It's it's definitely both. It's definitely both. It's like, I, I still remember like my environmental, AP environmental sciences class when I was in high school was unequivocally my favorite class um it was like it, it honestly caught me by surprise <laughs> uh it it was one of those things where it was more emotionally and viscerally important to me than i realized it would be and that was just obviously the first exposure to really understanding it but yes it is absolutely bundled with opportunity you're you you hear you know you hear of different things that are happening in the zeitgeist of how people want to look for other solutions and how, you know, our economy or how kind of the, the 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 overall market can facilitate that. I think it's a beautiful thing. It's actually saying that like, okay, like there is demand for this because people care. That's ultimately what it boils down to. So when people care, when people are looking for alternatives, that also creates opportunity. And so I think that that to me was like, One of the things I always found the most confounding was people being like, oh, it's a burden that you're taking on to be more sustainable, when in reality, it can actually solve a lot of problems and quell a lot of issues that you're having is if you're actually just taking into account all of those externalities and actually pricing them in, you're actually realizing that the sustainable solutions are far more favorable, both to yourself and to society.
1: I completely agree. I don't know what it is with humans, those pesky humans always wanting to live. Survive. <laughs> yeah, it's you know? really
0: just really burdensome. I mean,
1: who wants that for your kids or your grandkids? I, I know no. I don't. Do you have kids by any chance?
0: Preservation of the species. I, I yeah. don't, just what my hairline okay. says.
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. No. Who cares about the next generation? Oh, okay, but you ended up there. Okay. So you tried to do a wind farm. You were in Germany. You were working with. You, you met some talented people. So all of these things percolating to borrow a coffee metaphor in the back of your mind, including your registry of uh, your family and your different cups of different hot beverages. At what point did you decide that coffee was the ticket?
0: Yeah, I think that that's one of the, one of the first things I always try and, you know, share with other people that are, I'm talking with that are thinking about starting companies. Like you're never going to, you're never going to be at a point where your idea is bulletproof and that's totally fine. And you're going to have to be iterating a lot and be comfortable with iterating when you transfer something from an idea to execution. It's just, it's going to happen. And just to have peace and comfort with that. Um, when I was working in electric vehicles, I definitely was looking at other hardware categories or things that I felt all of a sudden to me were very, uh, I like to use the word like demystified. It was very easy to understand, like you can break things apart and actually very quickly understand, even if you don't have a mechanical engineering degree, how they all kind of function um, and, and, and kind of work as a system. And for me, again, like I kind of put that passion side always into the equation because it was just a regular part of my daily rituals that as a consumable, which we can call it that. Yes, there's a kind of like fuel component to it, but there's a very artisanal side to it as well. And I love both of them. I I, I I think it's equal parts both. And so it was all of that coming together. And then as, as part of like my just, you know, daily course of life was looking for a new machine. And I found it really interesting that when you were looking for an option for a home espresso machine or a home coffee solution, and you didn't want to resort to coffee capsules or pods, there weren't, you think of coffee, you think there are a million options. There weren't that many. There just weren't. And then I remember I just was intrigued by this. And we started, I, I, I want to just start running surveys and seeing how many people could actually name espresso machine brands outside of the kind of big, bad wolf in our category of Nespresso. And we're like, let's just see, like, let's just ask people who they're familiar with. And at that time, kind of 2017, you know, it, it was shocking. It was shocking how few people could actually name another brand in the space And although, to your point at the beginning, there are a lot of legacy brands that are still around, you know, centuries-old companies that are around that have been active in the coffee space and specifically in coffee hardware. But when it came to people that were adapting to modern demands, it was shockingly slim. Mm. You're talking about um, a category that you would think has like 5,000 brands really basically had four or five. And to me, the four or five players in that space, although we don't want to ever kind of denigrate someone's legacy or use derisive language towards that, I think it's really important to note that the technology, the quality, the 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 kind of communication and distribution strategies they were implementing just did not make any sense for a contemporary consumer. And we're, this is to me where I was like, is this opportunity as big as I think it is? Because then you always have the doubts, right? You have the little voices. Right, in your How head could it like, be? Right. Yeah. 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 And so. Surely
1: they're working on it
0: exactly and you can only imagine the questions that you subsequently get from investors too because they have the same reservations and they pause and think hey like i mean if it if it could have been done it would have been done or if there was an opportunity it would have been done the reality of it was that you know when you don't have that many brands and you have a very complex hardware product i mean you have you know (laughs) you have food science you have thermal engineering you have pneumatic engineering it's incredibly complex device um and a kind of few seated incumbents, you actually weren't seeing any innovation in the space because they didn't need to innovate. Mm. They had a really nice, cushy position. And I, I I, understand there's all sorts of, you know, management consulting books, you know, uh, that love to use different kind of nomenclature and jargon around, you know, the, the sleepy, incum- sleepy incumbent, but um, that kind of technical inertia in that direction, I think also opens up a lot of opportunity. And so that was from like very grassroots research, um, which was as low fidelity and unglamorous as just knocking on doors in Soho when I got back to the US and wanted to start serving coffee to local New York crowds um, as, you know, just going there and serving thousands of cups of coffee every weekend morning, weekday morning that I could. To learn from consumers and see what they like, what they don't like, what they know, and what they don't know, and that was the start of it.
1: What vehicle did you use for that? Did you pop up a corner shop, or how did where did you serve them?
0: I it's as bootstrapped as it can get. I did you have a cart? Didn't even have the money to buy a dolly for the devices. I literally got the biggest IKEA bag I could find, and I would have two prototypes on my shoulders. And I would go door to door and so because I heard that that's the cool area of New York. I would never lived in New York, so I didn't know much about it um, and knocked on doors. And I said, OK, like I'll knock on 100 doors and uh, the what are the quote unquote cool shops, I suppose. And we'll see if somebody will let me serve a coffee there over the weekend. Uh, that was how it got started. Like you knock on 100 doors, eventually somebody says yes and we learned just from the very first event, um, we learned so much from just people trying out the machine. And I think that we always tried to put a very polished foot forward, but those early days was very much, you know, I joke that it's the um, kind of pursuit of happiness in reverse. You know, I was working originally in finance and then ended up on the subway schlepping machines And I was like, all right, I think that's totally fine. I think that there's something here because every time I served a coffee, every time I entered into a dialogue with somebody, you would learn a little bit more about how there was a demand here. And I felt like that was the validation that I was looking for to understand that the thesis was correct, that they didn't really have an option to graduate to or away from the pod-based system. So giving a more sustainable solution that was actually over time a more affordable one and aesthetically and from a quality perspective a better solution better option was kind of like a no-brainer and then it was just a matter of again like chipping away at it like keep trying to grow the business every day in whatever means i i could with the resources i had
1: did you uh charge people for this or were you just giving away these cups of coffee
0: giving it away had to nice had to. and so then like i would try And try goodwill what's that
1: That must have engendered some goodwill. A free cup of coffee goes a long way on a cold day. I know anybody who gives me a free cup of coffee just went up 10 points in my esteem. It's like, oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, Especially when it's cold outside, which tends to happen occasionally in New York. Um, uh, But yeah, it's okay. So it's funny you mentioned that because my first experience, I drink coffee every day. I'm an addict, but I drink it from a French press. I go very old school because I... I don't like Miss Bence's invention. I don't like filtering out the oils and the I, yeah. I prefer French press to the paper coffee filtered coffee. But when I first went to Europe, there was this thing. Have you heard of a Senseo device? That was all yeah. the rage. It swept the nation, right? So Senseo, we got one of these secondhand. I hated that thing because I always thought of it as water flavored with coffee hint it was not coffee and i drank that until i basically threw that machine away in disgust because i hated it so much and then came the nespresso and the kurg and all those things which which are okay but i i I never liked any of them for what they do better than i just like a regular old french press so my life has remained very low tech because none of them were really good enough and i've seen in europe now they have devices that they do have the beans built in something sort of similar to what you've you you have i guess but I have yet to try one of those or a powdered version that was truly good in my opinion. So I just stick with the easy thing. Um, Do you feel that you've raised the bar in terms of the quality of coffee that's coming out compared to whatever else there is?
0: Yeah, I think that that's definitely one of the biggest areas when we were, you know, just doing tear downs of whoever was in the space to understand what was out there One of the biggest areas where we saw an opportunity was that it almost felt like there was a blatant disregard for trying to improve the overall coffee quality or especially espresso quality. Um, And there was this kind of tacit approval that everyone else is doing it the same way. So, you know, clearly it's accepted. I think it goes back to the whole, you know, sometimes it takes, uh, you know, a challenger brand to come in to really question whether or not, you know, that that has to be the way that it is or like essentially it boils down to there being a better way to improve that experience for people and so for me it was it was definitely a focus because i think that the overall bar was being raised out of home so if you talk about for example even within the us The experiences that people were having, kind of almost graduating away from the second wave of coffee to the third wave, getting more artisanal, learning about specialty grade coffee, people were getting more and more accustomed to a higher caliber kind of brew, so to speak. And so it was a question of how do you actually bring that experience home? How do you Mm. get... What you're getting now more and more accustomed to, which was also more espresso based beverages. We saw in 2017, the latte surpassed drip coffee as the most ordered drink in the US. That continues to climb. As much as people love to hate on Starbucks, you got to give them a little bit of credit, got to pay a little bit of reverence to the giant in the category. They popularized that, you know, espresso based beverage or EBB category over two, three decades, right? So, um, that's where we saw a shift when people were graduating away from that out of home, but nothing was changing in the in-home solutions. And so that's where we wanted to come in better, better, you know, encouraging better coffee quality, better precision in the machine, better consistency. And that's especially something that we've really focused on with our new machine that we just released, the, the TK2, um, building in a lot of proprietary technology that makes that entire experience just like a commercial great barista pulling a shot at your favorite cafe
1: super cool well you've just added something to my vocabulary i'm going to ask my wife for an ebb now i'm just going to try to make myself feel more important if i go into starbucks can i have an ebb please and see what they say uh no, but that, sometimes I get the sense, uh, and I'm going to be a little hyperbolic here, so I apologize in advance. But sometimes I want to go back in time and figure out. You talked about management books or business books. Whoever came up with the brilliant idea that everything needs to be a physical subscription model, sometimes I just want to shoot that person in the face yeah. because the the logic is, well, we can only sell them a machine one time. But then after we sell them the machine, how do we get them to keep giving us twenty dollars every single week, every single month? And you see it in toothbrushes with the little heads you have to replace. You see it in coffee with the k cups and all of the nespresso pods and even my refrigerator has some kind of filter in it and i get a a physical letter from ge every couple months that says you this filter will only last a couple months it's time to renew buy a three pack everybody has decided to do this and it's almost always some variation on cheap plastic crap almost always something that is just garbage and you know, aside from the waste of all of that, there is the health aspect, which is I don't want to run hot water through plastic and ingest whatever micro... I mean, they're finding microplastics in the breast milk of every human being now throughout the world. So clearly this plastic thing, it's, it's not a good look. So there's an environmental concern. There's a human concern. So how do you feel? Because your website touches on these eco ideas. How do you feel about... Um, you know, getting away from what is essentially a subscription model in that sense.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it, the pressure was, was always there. And I, those were definitely headwinds that we sailed into since the beginning of the company. So I feel like that, that subscription fatigue is really real and recognizing whether or not you should be playing into that or contributing to it is a really important question at the beginning of, you know, starting out any company. But, um, you know i I think that it wasn't lost on us other I think the other side was like the average human consumes like a credit card's worth of plastic like every three years or something yeah. it was something crazy and know, every just, week <laughs> <laughs> every Everyone, week, yeah, everyone's just munching on their chase and yes, <laughs> literally masking.
1: it's everywhere. Yeah. you can't get away it's, from it,
0: yeah, totally, and I think that that's one of those things where you know building a business where you have to force that onto people it changes your commitments, right? So whereas we want to have this commitment to quality team increasing um, or enhancing, I should say, everyone's morning ritual and experiences, I think that that is oftentimes lost in the businesses that, again, in kind of that general inertia, like you're like, you have all this momentum in the direction of I need to make sure that you subscribe and do not turn to something and you're subsequent thought is how can I make that thing as profitable as possible, which makes you then resort to the lowest lowest common denominator of materials, you know, quality, ingredients, what have you. And I think that that's kind of um, one of those areas that we've put a, a lot of effort in trying to build content and information around, which, you know, like informing the general public or just in, in, informing our audience and visitors, it, it takes effort, time, resources, but I think it's one of the main pillars of what we want to accomplish is in that sustainability element, a big part of his education. I mean, going back to again, even like what, you know, I learned even just being in high school and then carrying that forward and trying to like constantly improve upon that, that baseline knowledge. I think that that's the only way you're really going to get to a point where people value those elements enough to be making them their go-to option. And I I think we dedicate a lot of that effort to saying, okay, up until recently, you did not have virgin aluminum and plastic in the equation of your morning coffee. That is a relatively new phenomenon. You can completely take that out of the equation and actually get a better cup at the end. And that's, we understand the importance of ease of use. We recognize the value of being able to hit a button and have your whole morning routine go smoothly, you might be operating with one bloodshot eye and we need everything to be as simple as possible. I think that is really, really clear to us that that was a big part of the average American's experience that we wanted to make sure we could accommodate, but still removing all the unnecessary materials out of the equation to make that a much more sustainable and higher quality option.
1: Makes sense. Well, first of all, I guess I should say congratulations on the launch of your new machine. It looks sweet. I got the press kit last night and I looked it over. It looks great. Um, Looks super cool. Uh, Of course, you've raised a significant amount of funding or at least what I think is a significant amount of funding. Uh, So what do you think the biggest draw has been now that you've launched? Like you said previously, we're waiting on this day. It's happened now. Um, What has been the biggest draw now that you're here? What are people responding to the most out of all these different things that they could be interested in? Including investors
0: yeah, I mean I think on the the new machine there's what I love about the the new machine that you know we've been seeing the reception um, it's just been overwhelmingly positive and it's been awesome to see um, but one of the things I really love that we did was we took learnings from another product that was in you know in people's homes for you know three plus years into all of our Product development and R and D decisions into the new product. So in the TK two, we weren't really guessing what people wanted to see. We were really clear on what mattered to them to the most. And for some people, that was you know something as simple as a bigger water tank, for example, or making sure that the machine could handle a wider range versatility of bean types. So whether you like you know super light roasted single origin or, you know, incredibly dark Sumatran beans. It doesn't matter. Like you, you can pretty much put everything through the machine and it can get exactly, you know, be dialed in exactly to the way that you like it. And that kind of brought us to the precision part where, um, the biggest issue with these machines was that they were incredibly variable in how the experience would work from day to day and from bean to bean. And so we wanted to build in a lot of smart features that automate that process, so that everything is as consistent as possible from shot to shot so shot day one to shot you know year two is your 10 what what have you is the same but also adding a lot more functionality for the user to be able to tweak and toggle if they want to so it kind of bifurcated these two worlds where it's like if you just want to hit a button and you want to make sure it's the same every time and that's all you want beautiful it's there for you simple yeah. if you want to go deep down the rabbit hole you know you can absolutely do so and every every kind of variable that a barista would dial in, you can do the same. And then, of course, from a design perspective, you know, we wanted to double down on that contemporary design. We felt like that was kind of lacking. So why we even um, called the project, you know, for the development project Broca, which in German means bridge. And we wanted to bridge that Europe to U.S. We wanted to bridge that old to new. So, you know, I was working in uh, you know, a category where we are basically electrifying Vespas, and and now I'm working in a category where we're modernizing what it means to bring the espresso home, and and being able to offer that experience for people was, I, I think, really exciting because people are saying like, oh my god, it's like the first thing I'm actually excited to have on my countertop. You got to earn that real estate in the kitchen. You know, both like the temporal and physical real estate that you occupy in someone's home with this product is incredibly important. And we recognize that. And that was that was something that I wanted the whole team to really understand from the beginning of the project was we are a big part of people's morning ritual. And we are often a very communal device that's used across the entire household. So we need to respect that space that we're taking up. And we need to make sure we're delivering a lot of value. And that can be from the moment you just see the device and feeling good about it. Um, And it obviously goes through the entire journey of using the device every morning. And Is even why we ended up deciding to build a a hybrid brew unit, which can switch between any espresso based beverage or EBB, which you've now learned. I know. Now I know. that. Yeah. Yeah. And so it can do true drip, which is, you know, one of those things that we felt was missing in the category of what are super automatic espresso machines that, you know, they often say they can do that, but they're essentially just extracting an espresso for much longer. We wanted to design something that could get you that true, you know, pour over or even French press mouth feel, um, so that you know we can really serve the entire household with one device.
1: Super cool, man! So you know, four languages. How many of them do you use in a week nowadays? <laughs> <It> has
0: <laughs> I, I, have they benefited
1: uh, you professionally?
0: I, yeah, I would I would say massively. I the, I laugh because I've n- never had somebody ask me that, and just taking stock of it, it's actually all four. Um so that's incredibly practical but yeah between English Farsi Chinese and German I'm I'm pretty much using all of them at, at least every week but um I think it's it's good like languages are a little bit like a muscle like you got to flex it and exercise it if you want to keep it strong and so um the fluency I will say on the German has slipped um but sure. I did uh, I did pass my you know, exam of being able to actually work in German in Germany if I choose to. But um, that's, uh, you know, not to give anything away, but, you know, certainly one of the things we have in our roadmap that we're talking about is, as you said at the beginning, coffee is an international product, right? So it's not it's not exclusive to the U.S. So it's something that we've been talking yeah, I, about. I said,
1: though, that Europeans don't like coffee. Don't. so Sorry. excuse yeah, me. They don't yes. care about it. So we have to be very clear about that. Um <laughs> <laughs> but but it's nice that the confluence of all of the factors of your life came together for this and that you're still using those different cultural influences. It's cool. It's always fascinating to me. I mean, it's that Steve jobs quote. You can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. I'm sure you must yeah. feel a little bit of that each week. when you think of all of the different influences that shape where you're at right now.
0: Totally. I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's eclectic to say the least it is random at its most honest. <laughs> uh, but it's, 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 I guess I shouldn't be careful with saying random because it's, it all kind of amounts to like a tapestry or a mosaic that makes so much sense for what I'm doing right now. And that's, you know, exactly to that quote. But I think that is kind of looking at all of the skills and experiences that arm you with different abilities at a moment in time. And then that's kind of where I go back to that, like, there are all sorts of things that I think people want to do. And I think people have m- way more ideas than they realize. Oftentimes people tell me they want to start something and they're like, I just don't you know, have the perfect idea yet. Or I don't know what it's, it's like, you kind of like, I I think a lot of people have a million ideas. They don't realize it. It's just like even having like a pain point or a paper cut in some experience, like that's an idea right there. Like that's something to try and solve. But um, you know, having the experiences, that amount to being able to execute on that, I think adding those all up, you know, it, it really makes it clear to me, you know, how a narrative or a kind of an arc kind of was formed here because it was the living in China. It was even working in banking for a short stint. It was, um, you know, being the son of two architects. It was trying to start a wind farm in the Midwest. It was, you know, going to Germany, like they, they all came together. And I think that like, kind of like, I don't know, weird mixed bag of experiences made for a very clear story into starting Terra cafe. But I, um, if you had asked me right beforehand, I would have been like, I don't know. I probably was the guy who was just picking, it looked like I was just picking random cards from a deck and you sure. like, all right, sure. Why right. not? Like, let's go to, you know, France next. Why not?
1: <laughs> so that's so true.
0: Yeah. All right. So rate
1: your life now on a scale from one to 10, how satisfied are you? What's the stress level work-life balance? Is that a thing? Or all work, <laughs> no life
0: oh man, um yeah, if you ask my partner, I can't <laughs> to see what she'd say um no i i i would I would say from a satisfaction level, incredibly, incredibly high, one to ten, gun to my head, I'd say um, nine eight Not and a bad. half, nine. um It's, you know, you got to leave room for for growth. You got to leave room for things. Things can always get better. But um, I think the, the, like, just absurdly deep satisfaction I have of what Terra Cafe's mission is, what we're doing, how true to it we've stayed, and the team we've built around that vision and mission, and of course, also values, is incredible. And that is, the product is amazing i am so grateful of the new product we launched um and the team you know that came together to to create it. but I would say it is just categorically clear to me that the thing I'm most proud of is the team that came together the 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 team behind Terry Cafe that we built to be it you know people who are part of the team as employees or the business partners we brought together. I think that to me is. The most special element because it's all about working hard in good company, and um, that's what I feel incredibly grateful for. So uh, yeah, I, I, I it, it, also then translates to a very deep level of satisfaction. So I think that's isn't that the 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 longest study of human happiness. It's um, ultimately boils down to respect of your colleagues and you know support, admiration, compassion of your loved ones like. That's that's all that you know. You can really ask for in life, and you know, having fun building something that uh, impacts everyone's morning with great people. I don't feel like there's much more I can ask for. So I'll leave the work-life balance conversation to the side. I'm gonna <laughs> skirt that one, but I definitely, sure. um, you know, am really, really grateful for where I and the company and the team are at right now.
1: that sounds good, especially coming from me, somebody who has the support and love of friends and family, but uh, not admiration. I would say it's more like a deep pity. It's a, a, I feel sorry for you, and I hope you'll be okay at some point. So the admiration key, we've learned the
0: lesson. Um, Ross, no. every, every, everything in moderation, including moderation. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, it's been fabulous talking to you. I think
1: it's super cool. Congratulations on the machine, on the success so far. It's all really great. I love that I didn't even know how many different uh, experiences that you had had personally that came together into this. It's it's really great. Um, I know we're running short on time here, so I'd like to give you the last word. If there's a parting piece of wisdom or if there's just something you want to promote, you want to direct people to buy the new TKO2 Whatever you like, floor is yours
0: um well one i will I will say definitely don't blame your researcher. My background is about as confusing as it comes, so i wouldn't All <laughs> don't right, i wouldn't, so
1: live another like, day
0: exactly <laughs> um yeah i i absolutely i want to end with um one thanking you for for this time to to chat with you and share a little bit about my story um And then two, of course, promoting our, our new product. I feel, um, athlete that I should have number two, be our TKO two. So, um, you can check it out on our website, uh, Terry and, um, you know, see what that's all about. There's a, you know, all sorts of bells and whistles that I wasn't able to get to there, but you know, there's a lot of amazing things that we're sharing there. And, um, yeah, I, uh, just, uh, you know excited for for all the other founders and entrepreneurs out there that are taking the road less traveled um being, being off of the often path and hey, um you got the yeah, plug sending sending more you know all the power you know kind of good energy out there to everyone because as somebody who's been through this slog I know that it's it's not easy and um you know can often be even a somewhat lonely path if I can say that but Um, you know, it's definitely worth it. And it, it opens up so many different and new and interesting avenues that you wouldn't otherwise get. So as somebody who's deeply appreciative of taking that path, um, I can only encourage it for everyone else.
1: Well, that's a fabulous way to wrap it up. And thank you, San, for joining me. It's been a pleasure. Check it out, everybody. Terrorcafe.com. And with that, the podcast is over.